course I'm better looking than Mark Cavendish. But he is better looking than me. Have you seen him? He's a specimen. I mean, have a look. He walks around <laughs> in the room naked, all his muscles out, and I'm like, I don't feel quite as much of a man anymore. Hey, podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, the weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in, because we're about to begin. I got something to say, man. Yo-ho! Welcome to episode 19 of the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that only a semi-pro cyclist will carry a bidden with them no matter where they are. If you stick around to the end, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who Big Cav's talking about. Also, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be sending out two free training and racing resources to anybody on my list. To be the first to get hold of them, go to semiprocycling.com and enter your email into the red box. Thank you and Just a quick note for everybody that subscribes to the podcast already. Thank you very much. It means a lot to me, and I hope you are getting as much from this relationship as I'm getting. My vision of the podcast is really just to help cyclists become better, ride harder, have more fun, meet people, and I really hope this is the start of a long relationship together. Now, straight to the news, and Vino is in trouble again. Well, he's not really in any type of new trouble. It's just been uncovered by Italian media. They are saying that they have some emails regarding the Alexander Klobnev 2010 Liège-Baston-Liège buy-off. It's super interesting here because Klobnev is the one that is apparently selling the race win or sold the race win to Vino. And Vino is always the bad guy. He's been the bad guy ever since he got busted. But even before that, his style of riding and just the way that he attacks races, you're either going to love him or you're going to hate him. He cops all the heat. He's now moved into the manager role. I don't know exactly what part. He's in a leadership role now with Astana. So we'll see what happens with this and where it goes I think it's not really going to go anywhere. Vino's got other things to worry about, even though Astana has got a license for next year. The other big one, the kerfuffle at the moment, Rabobank pulls out after 17 years. Now, it seems like there is a massive hole left by this. Dutch professional cycling is going to struggle, even though Rabobank has still committed to looking after juniors. Some Dutch cycling supporters are trying to buy the team or in trying to encourage everybody to buy the team. They've got a website. I am not going to try and read it out, but I'll definitely post it on the site. For 10 euros at a time, you can buy the team. So there has been a pretty good response so far. And the last time I checked, there were 17,270 people or team managers that have pledged their money. Now, they're getting close. Sorry, they're not getting close at all. All they need to do is probably just add another zero. Then they can start talking business. But either way, if you are interested in helping out that cause, you can check out the website. I'll post a link on semiprocycling.com. Final bit of news, which is interesting because it relates directly to the episode two weeks ago, and it's the release of the Garmin pedals. Thank you, DC Rainmaker. I'm sure you've been to this site. It's the boss as far as any any electronic equipment goes when it comes to cycling. He has sat through, apparently he does this, he sat through an official meeting to wait for this and somebody did ask the question, 
of when the Garmin pedals will be released. And Cliff Pemble, the president and COO of Garmin, had this answer. We are making progress on the Vector and we've been evaluating new design changes and we do feel like things are looking promising and are sticking to our early next year first quarter or early second quarter deliveries. Exciting news. I'm not holding my breath. I had a little bit of a go of them in the Power Meter episode. I'm not going to go into it any further, but fingers crossed for everybody that wants one. I just want to know how how much this delay has cost them. The R&D going into this must be costing them a lot, but they obviously think it's a sound investment. The pedals are going to come out. They're going to be around $1,500, which is $500 over the magical 1000 mark. So we'll see how many people actually start to take it up. There's still the matter of whether the challenger, the main challenger at the moment, stages one, has any play in this and whether people are just going to take that up and beat Garmin to the punch. I might be one of those people. Well, let's wait and see. And now, the nuts and bolts. And this week's show is about ways to free up your time from mundane and repetitive tasks that essentially just get in the way of riding your bike. Of course, you could hire someone to take all of that stuff off you, but we're semi-pro here, so we've got to do it ourselves. Now, the premise here is simplification through systems, not really rigid, clunky systems. We're talking about just optimizing a few parts of our lives so that All of that stuff can fall away and the important stuff just presents itself. I do believe that we can create freedom through systems. This is not some wanky talk. This is just, it took me a while for me to wrap myself around this idea, even though I'm a big fan of structure and some of my best work has come from structured environments. I find it interesting that I struggle to implement systems that work. The aha moment came when I realized that there will always be tasks that are repetitive in their nature. And so whether it's for survival or work or life in general, the important part for me when looking at this stuff is not to lose focus of why some tasks benefit from being locked down and putting time in up front because it is a bit of time and thought to get these things off the ground, but putting in that time will ultimately lead to more free time to do what we love, which is, of course, cycling. Boo yeah. Now, the macro view of this over the top, the 40,000-foot view, that it all hinges on goals and targets throughout a race year. So looking at that, I know everyone in the USA and Europe is kind of in their off-season unless they're racing some cross, so they're probably starting to plan their year next year. That is basically the first step as far as moving in the direction to hone in on exactly what you need to do to get to that point and exactly what you can forget about. So once you get done with that, it's just a matter then of slotting in the pieces of the puzzle. Now, this is where I'm going to focus today because at the week-to-week level, squeezing in as much writing as you want with the little tweaking here and here. So I've just listed down five ways to optimize your life for more writing time. Personally, I'm doing this because I'm getting ready to start training a little more seriously and I do have a tight schedule already. So I'm looking at ways that I can maximize my time on the bike. I started with a Google Drive spreadsheet and then made up a weekly chart 
and started blocking out time that I know that I have to be off the bike. Work, brunch, family time, dinners, lunches. These things for me are pretty set in stone in my routine. Now, I can move things around a little bit, but the big thing is is just working out how much training I need to do and then locking that into the whole system. If you do the same thing, which I've got a spreadsheet that you can go to, just a template that you can start on, and there's a link in this post on the website, you can start to plug these in and then really have a look at what you're doing now, what activities, jobs, etc. are repeatable, what ones you can cut out, and what ones you can completely reduce and you can reduce down. I think most of the category of the five ways that I've got today are going to be reducing time that it takes to do the certain things. So if we move into number one, food. Now, food is an essential and something that we all have to do. We all have to eat, and it becomes even more important when you're training because if you're not optimizing your food intake, then you're really going to suffer either at the end of the week, at the end of the training ride, it makes a huge difference to the quality of your training. And the first way that I looked at this is how do I reduce my shopping time? Because basically I used to take up half a Sunday stuffing around with shopping and planning and prepping and coming off the back of a race or a long ride. It is essentially the last thing you want to be doing. You should have your feet up. You should be resting, relaxing, chilling with your fam, doing something else on a Sunday afternoon rather than shopping. So the way that I thought that I would do it, I set up a shopping cart within a grocery store's online system. The shopping cart, it had all my saved items, my staples for the week. I essentially looked at my entire week I broke down the meals and then I thought, how can I simplify each component of this so it becomes something that I don't even think about? The great thing about delivery, and at the time, the first time I did this a few years ago, I got it delivered to my work. My situation's changed now, but I got it straight delivered to my work because I knew I would be there because most of the prep I was doing was focused on breakfasts and lunches, which I was consuming at work, and I would just carry the small amount of everything else back home. Delivery from a standard supermarket chain is as low as five bucks. You select a delivery window and then they deliver to you. I don't know, people that really, not people I know haven't really got onto this, but I think it's a great little hack and you would be surprised. People's first kind of thoughts are that the vegetables aren't going to be good or they're not going to pick the right things for you. But for me, I've always found that the vegetables have been fine. I think that they are aware of if they don't pick good vegetables that you're not going to go back to them. So Give it a go and find a system or a supermarket that means that you can save your staples and then add just bits and pieces. I do it on a fortnightly system, so I am ordering only once every two weeks, basically using a lot of canned goods, frozen goods, things, not a lot of fresh vegetables, or if I do have fresh veggies, I'm cooking them up and batching them and freezing them. I'll get onto that in the next part, but that to me, just shut down a whole lot of wasted time. But it was also optimizing the entire meal process, not just the shopping. And the entire meal process is looking at making simple, repetitive meals and batch meal making. Making food, for me, became a combination of batching and simple preparation. My diet through this regime was and is going to be, again, extremely repetitive. I do believe this is the case with most lean athletes, that the meals are repetitive and that you can batch them up. 
So my meals will only vary in the sense of if I'm going to be or I have been on a bike or it's a complete off-the-bike day. I don't want to go too far into the specific diets, but let's just say an off-the-bike breakfast, for example, would be eggs. So if I wasn't training, I'd be having eggs of some sort, usually just microwaved and then some sweet chili sauce. Or or if I was going to go for a ride, I would just be having some type of cereal. My lunches for the entire two-week cycle would be the same, except for Fridays where I would go out and buy a burrito because I just can't get enough of burritos. But they were easy to prepare and it was generally something like frozen fish and veg, which I would heat in a special microwave dish and then that would be it. I did a couple of sandwiches after a training ride and dinner was batched. So I would spend two times a week making copious amounts of food, putting them into small containers and freezing them. So that was my dinner. I would eat a large pizza after a weekday crit. You can also batch lunches if you can't get your food delivered to work or you don't want to prepare anything at work. It's the same thing. I just decided against it because I could get away with microwaving some frozen stuff and I'm happy with that. I use food for fuel. I enjoy nice food, food for fuel primarily, and then everything else is just a little bit of flavor on top. One thing about creating a system like this though, there is potential to do your head in. So there's potential for you to go crazy after trying to do this for even just a couple of weeks. The way I got around this was at some times I would just entirely blow it off. I'd go out for a Friday night and have pizza and beers. Whatever the craving was, I would just go and do it. I'd usually find out pretty quickly that the craving I was having was hurting me and I was usually in some type of pain afterwards, whether it was too much beer or crappy food and my body was just suffering. I just think this is important to break out of the mold every now and then. The system is good and, the, and having a regime is a good way to keep you in check and not use emotional energy when making decisions. But yeah, you just got to break out occasionally and I don't see any harm in this. And pretty quickly, I think you'll correct your ways because I correct my ways pretty quickly after I have a crappy meal and realize, okay, yep, I really got to get back to the good stuff. Number two here is the laundry. So I'm looking for ways to cut down on washing and ironing clothes. When I was a nine to five man, That's all I did. It seemed all I was doing was washing cycling clothes, work clothes, doing ironing, hanging up, putting away, and it drove me crazy. So I was looking for ways to cut down on all of this crap so that it would just fall into the background and I have to didn't think about it. So I've got a few tips here on ways that I actually optimized. Simple things like don't iron t-shirts, hang up clothes on the inside regardless of season because you have to travel less You don't have to walk out to an awkward clothesline in the middle of a backyard, blah, 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 blah. Now, the other ones are things like iron-free shirts. I bought five iron-free Brooks Brothers shirts. They're a little funky. They dip them in some gnarly, starchy stuff, chemical-based. If you can't handle that, maybe there is a natural alternative. But I was fine because I was justifying the ease of iron shirts. Now, they're not without a little bit of hassle. You've got to get them out of the washing machine as soon as they are done, straight into the dryer, and then hang them up. I thought it was just going to be a free-for-all. I could take them out, whatever, and they would just be crinkle-free. But no, they weren't. There was a little bit of effort. But still, it was better than having to get out that clunky iron and ironing board and starting from scratch. Another thing, the Japanese folding T-shirt method. 
I've got a link to the Lacoste ad. You might have seen it. It is the simplest and cleanest demonstration of it. You may need to find another YouTube clip that explains it a bit better if you're wanting to do it. But trust me, this thing, I could do this straight off wherever I was hanging it. Bang, two seconds folded, done, not even thinking about it anymore. It's a super hot tip. I would get onto it. I optimized my socks. Now, don't laugh too hard, but I chose to have one brand of sock in one color. I went for black six-inch defeat socks. So I could wear them on the bike, plus I could wear them in the corporate world. They did not look out of place because they had very small logos on them. I didn't have to worry about sorting them after washing. Being black, I didn't have to worry about splitting them up from any other clothes. It was the bomb, and it still is. I still rock this today, even though I've got one pair of compression socks that is snuck in there. The next one, two pairs of undies only. At the time I started this, which was three Three or four years ago, I bought two pairs of undies, phased out all my other ones, the big cotton ones that take a long time to dry. I got some quick dry ones. They still last me to this day, and that's all I have. I wear them, I wash them, they dry overnight, and I wear them again. One always there for backup. It's the business. It's part of my routine now. I don't know about you, but I have seen some people that have a shit ton of undies that they're hanging up on the line. Coming down to what I would wash them in or with, it would be Dr. Bronner soap, which is the do-it-all, the all-in-one soap. I'd wash my clothes with this stuff. I would wash my undies with this stuff. I would wash my body, my hair, and I even traveled with it and did my teeth. It's not so bad. It sounds a little bad. It doesn't have the grit, so it's a little missing in that sense. But remember, don't swallow. Moving on to number three, reduce possessions. I'm not going to get too preachy on this stuff and it's not about minimalism or anything like that. It's more just about looking at the possessions that you own and how much time you spend maintaining, cleaning, paying for, whatever it is that you have to do in order to keep these things happening. Have a look at all the toys you have. I have over my life had lots and lots of toys And slowly, it took me a lot, well, slowly, because it took me a long time to clear them out of my life, because getting rid of stuff is a lot harder than buying it. We know buying it these days is just one click away, but getting rid of it is a genuine pain in the ass. But saying that the things that you own end up owning you, I believe this, it has happened to me, and I consciously, over the last two or three years, have pared down things that I own into quite a simple format so that I can concentrate on the things that I love. Now, it still means that I've got a couple of bikes lying around which don't get much attention. You know, it's things like a house with gardening. I'm not saying sell the house, but figure out ways that you can reduce the gardening by planting simpler plants or whatever. Maybe you've got a motorbike you don't ride, but you pay for rego and you're clean or, or anything like that that you can reduce. I, I think overall, reducing down possessions and replacing it with activities and experiences, your return on investment is so much greater. And I, this is something I really believe in because I've been doing this and focusing on actually riding rather than buying the next bit. Wow, I'm going off on a whole tangent here, so I'm going to just cut it off. The strategy here is constantly looking to eliminate instead of organizing. So if there's clutter anywhere in your house or on your desk or wherever you are, instead of just organizing it neatly and throwing out a little bit, focus heavily on the eliminate part first, then 
organize afterwards. So number four, we're starting to get into more personal stuff here, which I was tossing up whether to actually bring up in the first place. But I do think it's important that this stuff is raised because all of this stuff can it can really start to cut into the time, things we like doing. And so automating your money makes it super easy just to forget about that thing of going through bills, making sure things are paid on time. And, you know, it really saps a lot of energy doing this stuff. There's this one guy that's the master of this, Ramit Sethi. I don't know if whether I've got your name right, bros. But this guy, he's got it down to a fine art. I have followed his advice for a couple of years and it really has cut down time that I would have generally just wasted on doing annoying money transfers, personal finance, anything like that. I've got a link to everything this guy has ever done. He goes through and teaches you for free how to break down all of your bills and spending and move it into a two-week or so or a month cycle so that bills are being paid automatically. When money comes in, it gets allocated to savings automatically. And then any leftover can be easily spent. He calls it guilt-free money, and that can easily just be spent on anything you want to spend on. The thing about the whole system is that you just set it and forget it literally. You do not have to worry about any of this. Maybe a check once a month to see that everything's on track. But once you've got this system set up, you are good to go, especially if you get regular paychecks. But please check it out because I do believe it'll make a big difference to you. The fifth one and the final one, GTD, Getting Things Done by David Allen. Now, this guy's the boss as far as organizing your life. You can get into really minute detail with this stuff, and I did for a little while, but I kind of moved beyond it, and there really is only one takeaway that I want to give you from this. I don't want you to get overwhelmed. I want to mention it. Maybe you're interested. You'll go check it out, but as far as the one thing that has stuck with my mind, it's this, and it's quite simple. If you can do it in under two minutes, then do it. Like no stuffing around. If it can be done and you know it, just do it. It will clear your plate. You'll never have to think about it again. It's such a simple idea, but we get caught up in the emotion of, oh, I'm not doing it right, or I'm not going to send it to the right person, or whatever, whatever, whatever. It's so cool just to have a two-minute time limit. Yes, I can do it. It'll take me less than two minutes, and then I'll forget about it. Now, I know I've been waffling on a little bit today, but this stuff, to me, I spent a lot of time optimizing this stuff, and I'm going to start spending more time now re-optimizing this stuff because the benefit is so great that not only is it just ride time, it's recovery time. It's just really about optimizing the small things and tweaking those to give you, dare I say, the marginal gains off the off the bike world. Tweaking the bits and pieces is really going to make a difference. If anyone has any other cool little things that they do, I would absolutely love to hear them. I'm always looking for new ways just to tweak and get a little bit more focused in certain areas of my life. So get in contact with me and let me know if you have a system like this. I'd really be interested to know. Now, let's get to the tech, hacks, and products section. And this week, I'm talking about a slash product slash hack in the way that Cyclops' 2013 sponsorship, grassroots sponsorship applications has opened up. They want a 60-second video with why you're looking to become a grassroots athlete, your season's goals, how you will plan to represent the Cyclops brand. Now, the reason I'm pushing this, I think this is a bit of a hack. Getting into a grassroots level program for sponsorship is a hack because 
We're semi-pros. This is exactly the help that will really make a big difference to our bottom line performance. I talked about the benefits of power meters already, but actually having one and getting over that financial barrier, this is something that you could reach out to. I will be applying for this. I see great benefits for me. I see great benefits for you. The dates for video submission will be November 5 to December 14. So it started yesterday and you have some time to get it in. If you want some help with either video production or writing your script or whatever it is, shoot me a line. I'd love to help out. Now, let's get to that quote from the top of the show. It's... And he's talking about Bernard Eisel, Mr. Metro himself. It's a pretty funny clip. There's a little bit more of Cav's personality in that clip, and I've kind of chopped it up a bit, and I'll play it at the end so you can have a listen to it. It's interesting stuff, just getting a little insight into the way he rolls. And that's it for this week. So till next week, get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box, whichever one you're into. You know, I'm not a fucking animal. I'm a human being, you know. And of course, Cavendish, all that emotion has been pent up it comes out when we saw Kev break down it that was that was the real Kev that's fear that's passion that's love that's that's sadness for, for a young guy with so many wins already that just showed uh, that he is human